Are you tired? Worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely. All human beings, I mean all of them at one time or another, and often a lot, feel stressed, feel burned out, feel frustrated with the way things are going. Everybody feels that way. Often, you know, it's because you've got so much going on, you know, so much on your plate, so many things happening, you just feel like you can't get to everything, and so you feel stressed by that. But it's not always that. Sometimes it's just that things don't go the way you think they're going to go. Tell me if, how many of you have ever experienced this. You're driving your car. So you own a car. You're driving to work or wherever. You're going somewhere. And it starts to shake and make bad noises. What emotion starts to go up on the inside of you? It's like it's universal for all of us. It's like, no, no, not now. Like, there is a time when you'd say, oh, yes, I'd love it when the car would break down next Wednesday. You know, no, no, there's never a time. But you're like, no, 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 not now. This is, this is car. My life is... And you get all churned up on the inside. And you, and you know, you, you, you have to ask the question, why do we get so worked up about this stuff? Because if you own a car, here is what you know. I know you're, if you're smart enough to own a car, you're smart enough to know it's going to break down sometimes. Correct. I mean, it shouldn't come as a surprise. Stupid car, it was never supposed to break down. You know cars are going to break down. And it's not going to kill you. And it's not going to be something that you probably can't repair. Why are you so churned up? Why are you so upset by that thing when it happens? Well, I think really, primarily, it's because of what I would describe as the many implications. Not like a lot of implications, but the small ones. M-I-N-I, many implications. Like, you know... All of a sudden, it starts to hit you what's going to have to happen. How am I going to get the car to the mechanics? I, you know, I'm going off the side of the road right now. How is this going to work out? I'm going to have to reallocate money that I hadn't planned on to do whatever it is. And you don't even know what it is. It could be 50 bucks or 500 bucks or it could be thousands. You, you don't know what it is. And then on top of that, you're going to have to call somebody for a ride probably, which is very humbling. And all that piled together on our plate. And we're stressed. And we're frustrated, and we have this kind of anger on the inside. It's like crazy when you think about it. We're not mad because the car broke down. We're mad because our plans have been impacted. Our plans have been affected, and it's not going to go like we thought it would, like we think it should. And we have all these things to do and places to go and people to see and everything. Schedules to keep. Have you ever heard this saying? I saw this recently, and it just kind of made me laugh again. We make plans... And God chuckles. And really, I can see that. I can see it. You know why I can see that? Could you turn it down just a little, please? I can see that because it's like, it's like, for me, 
as a father, there have been times with my kids where, where like, when they were younger, they would start telling me all these elaborate things that they're going to do, these plans, and on the inside, I would think to myself, oh, honey, it's not going to go like you think it's going to go. Any parent ever thought that? And, like, you know they got to go through it, and you're not going to torment them about it and everything, but it's like, it's not going to go that way. And it's the same with us, just on a larger scale. God looks at us, and he's like, oh, honey. You think you got a schedule? You think, I got this map. I'm going to do this next week. I've got this on Monday and this on Tuesday and this. And, and you got it all mapped out. And God looks at it and chuckles. Because he sees what you don't. The twists and the turns that are come, going to come in life. And it's inevitable that they're going to come. And that's what it goes like. I mean, it's like, it, it's, this is God knows that our maps are incomplete. And this stuff seldom goes according to plan no matter how good your plan is. It's like, you, get you, you think you got something figured out. You think it's going to work. This is how it's going to be. And we even tell people, yep, I'm going to do this and this and this and this. You think that's the way it's going to be? And then, um, it isn't. Come on, is that true? It's like, you think you have something figured out. I heard a guy talking about this the other day. I thought it was hilarious. He, um, um, he said that he had decided he wanted to take a few pounds off and so he was talking to his wife about it, who's totally into the whole health scene, you know, and everything. And she said, I've got a simple plan for you. This is easy. You can remember this and you can do it. You want to lose a little weight? Here's what you do. You eat like a king for breakfast. For lunch, you eat like a prince. And for supper, you eat like a pauper. And he said, you know what? He said, it actually has worked. He says, I've dropped a few pounds and it's really great. Except for the fact that about 1030 at night, a voice comes up in the back of my head that says, long live the king. Anybody ever heard that voice? It's like, you think you got it figured out. I got it mapped up. This is how it's going to go. This is what's going to happen. And God chuckles because it never exactly works that way. But we keep making our plans and we keep setting ourselves up in these places where we have often, not always, but often so many plans in our lives that we're at the place where we're like constantly stressed because we're on the run to get to the next thing and the next thing. Pushing from one thing to the next with zero tolerance in our plan for little voices in the back of our head. Zero tolerance in our plan for car breaks down, which inevitably will happen, or some other twist or turn. And we're like, we, we, we have no room to say, okay, cars break down. We'll figure it out. Now, there are probably a few of you like that. And that's because your medication is working. But the rest of us, <laughs> the rest of us, when the car breaks down, we're like, ah, this is messing with my life and my map and my plans. And, and we have all the stress on the inside. We're pushing ourselves so hard sometimes. Even people that are retired. Some people think, well, when I retire, I can just relax. You know, I'm old now, and so I know a lot of people that are like peer group, uh, and, and they're retired. And they, I hear this over and over. I don't know how I had time to work. I do not know how I had time. My life has been so overfull and got all these things going. Because this is the truth. No matter how you're wired, humans default to building more into their lives than they really have time and emotional capacity. We, it's like we default, no matter how you're wired. Now, some of you are, are people who are wired to be busy in what I describe, this is just my own terminology, but I would describe you as distracted busy. You are the people 
You say, okay, it's on my day off. This is a Saturday or whatever it is. And I am going to clean the garage today and it's going to look beautiful when I'm done because stuff is piling up. And you get out in the garage and you're out there 10 minutes, you're moving stuff around and you see a box with furnace filters in it. And you're like, oh my gosh, I bought these over a year ago. I haven't changed the filter in the furnace. And so you grab a, a, a filter and you run downstairs and you pull the plugged filter out and you put the new one in and you're like, thank God for that. And you turn to walk back up and you look down and there's a pile of junk in the basement by the furnace. And you're like, I got to fix this. I got to take care of this and you start working on that and then you're up in the attic because something sent you up there and you're and by the time the day's done you are exhausted you didn't finish one thing you got a lot of things closer to finish anybody in here like that see a lot of you would say yes she is or yes he is you know that you you often know better about what the other person is some of you are distracted busy but you're still busy crazy busy others are what i would describe as focused busy now i'm in this category and you're the kind of person for you the carrot The thing you desire, the thing which will draw you in, is that you want a completion of a project. So no matter what happens, you're going to work on that. This is something I struggle with hugely. I'll get on the track, and I'm like, I have to finish it, I have to finish it now, or I won't feel good, or I won't be happy. My wife has said this for years. She said, I have two speeds in my life, full on and off. And when I'm off, I'm on the couch, pretty much, you know. It's like full on or off. And it's a, I remember we, we decided we had to, the house that we had before the one we're in now, it, it, it needed painted. It had aluminum siding. It wasn't a huge house. It was like 1,100 square feet. It had a walkout basement. It, it was big enough. And so I told Anne, I said, I'm going to paint this house one day. She said, that's a, you know, kind of a lot to do. You're going to paint it by hand all. Not spray it, you know, but paint it. And, and, um, and I said, yeah, I'm going to do it. Well, I got up the morning that I was going to do it. And I realized, as I just started, that the paint on the aluminum had oxidized so badly that if I painted, it would just peel right off. So I went in the house and said, I'm going to have to wash the whole house first. But I'm going to do it, and I'm going to paint it today. And I washed that entire house. And I don't know what time it was in the day when I got done, but I started painting. And I was going to finish painting it, and I got about a third of the way through, and I realized it's going to need a second coat. Now, I don't remember... How many hours I put in that day? I think it was about dark. It was a summer day. And I think well, I started at daylight and ended at, you know, after dark painting this house. But I got it finished. See, unlike you distracted people, I finished something. <laughs> I do remember, though, that the next day I couldn't walk because of the cramps in my legs from standing on that ladder and painting all day long trying to get it done. But it doesn't matter how you're wired. It's interesting to me, no matter whether you're distracted or focused or whatever you are, You default to packing more stuff into your life and more stuff. And it's not always that you're so crazy, insanely schedule busy, but it's emotional stuff as well. Even though we're different, we all kind of find ourselves pulled into this place where we get so so hectic inside. I gotta do this and I gotta do that. And we feel the pressure of all these things and it stresses us, us out. And what makes it even worse is that we live in a world that tells us, this culture tells us, that only successful people, when you're successful, that you're gonna have to be crazy busy to be successful. And truly successful people are always super unbelievably busy and that's what makes them successful. And the only time they're not super busy is when they're on these luxurious vacations. And they tell us that's what the... I heard a guy say this the other day. I was listening to a podcast and he said... 
People with money don't have any time, and people with time don't have any money. And I thought, there it is, right there. There is the implication in our culture. If you're going to succeed, you're going to have to be insanely busy. If you're going to do well, you're going to... And then you go on vacation, and you rest, and it's all wonderful. But uh, the rest of your life, you're going to, ah, you're going to be crazy. And there's no room for little voices, no room for car breaks down, no room for anything. You have to be this insane busy. And then you add the icing on the cake, which is another thing all of us struggle with at some levels. And it's called FOMO. And you all know what that is, right? That's an acronym for fear of missing out. And so we're like, you know, we see this thing and then you're, you're looking at Facebook and somebody's going on a cruise. Don't you hate people that go on cruises and post about it? It's like, you go on a cruise, just shut up and enjoy it, all right? Don't make me feel like a loser because you've got all these pictures on Facebook or whatever, you know? And you see these things and you have this little fear, like, I've got to experience this and I've got to do this. My gosh, you know, our kids are going to be grown up and we haven't gone to Disney World or we, you know, we have all these things in phone. So you add all these things on and there's this constant internal pressure. I have to do more. I have to have more. I have to go more. I have to be crazy busy. The problem is... This is just what I want to get you thinking about. In the end, I mean in the real end, what did you really do? What did you really accomplish? What really happened with your life? Because that day will come. This is a truly democratic experience. All of us die at some point. And what will your life have accomplished? What will you have accomplished? Most of us, if we were honest and we listed all the things we're stressed and upset over and all the things we're rushing to, the vast majority of it will be stuff that will go away and mean nothing. Don't miss me on this. The vast majority of the stuff that we stress over and get upset, and I struggle with this like everybody else, but it's like, got to do this and got to do this and got to take care of this, it will go away and it will be Nothing. So 25 years ago, we bought the property that we build a house on and live on today. The guy who had owned that, we bought a portion of his property, but he had owned this piece of land before we had. And he had made it into this amazing, like, it was like this scenic, beautiful gardens that people, he'd had ponds dug and there's a stream on the property and, 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 and you could walk through this, these places that he, it was just beautiful. He'd done this amazing job with it. It was a lot of work, but it was beautiful, and then he died. And his wife couldn't keep it up, so it all went back wild. It all went wild. And then we bought the property and built a house on it, and I've mowed along the stream, you know, and, and Anne's got a flower garden and some pretty stuff out in the front, but here's the truth, and I guess I, I'm aware of this because I'm aging, is that somebody's going to get that place after us, and they're going to look at that and go, that's stupid, get rid of it all. Come on, is that true? And all this stuff that we stress about, oh, i got to get the stupid yard done, and oh, it's getting, and I hate it when grass grows. I've often thought that a rock yard would be beautiful. Anybody with me on that? I mean, and, and it just, and it's, and this, I don't know what it is, this time of year it's growing insanely. It's like you cut it and it's like, whoop, ha you know, and it's like over, and so you think about this the next time you're out stressing over your yard and you're going, I got to get it mowed or I got to get these weeds pulled or I got to get this happen. It's all going away. It's all going to go away. 
And in the end, it doesn't mean a whole lot. And yet we stress over these things. We, 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 we almost go crazy. We miss sometimes what we're supposed to live for. We lose sight of what really matters. Because we're rushing with all these crazy, busy, insane things. You know, Jesus at one point gives an illustration I think is so powerful about how we're to live our lives. We'll take a look at this. And uh, this is found in Luke chapter 12. But Jesus says, take care. And you protect yourself against the least bit of greed. Self-focus is really what he's talking about. Life's not defined by what you have, even when you have a lot. And then he told them this story. He said, the farm of a certain rich man produced a terrific crop. And he talked to himself, what can I do? What am I going to do? He says, my barn isn't big enough for this harvest. And then he said, here's what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns, I'll build bigger ones, and I'll gather in all my grain and goods, and I'll say to myself, self, you have done well. You got it made and now can retire. Take it easy. Have the time of your life. And then Jesus says, just then God showed up. And he said, fool, tonight, tonight you die. And your barn full of good goods, who gets it? And he concludes this, this illustration by saying, this is what happens when you fill your barn with what? Self. And not with God. This guy, he figured out how to scale his business, and everybody around him was talking about, man, this guy knows how to farm. He has been so successful. He has done so well. And the world, upside down as it is, says he's got it all together. He's living a right-side-up life. And God just looks at him and says, it's foolish. It's foolish. It's foolish because you have wasted your life on things that don't last. What I want to say to you is that is way easier to do than you realize. You don't get up in the morning and go, I think I'll waste my day on things that don't count. You wake up and go, oh my gosh, I got to do this and this and this and this. And and I have this list to do and I have to to check all these things. I have to get, get done. And then we lose sight of the things that matter. Another place in Scripture, Jesus says this, and I think it's pretty poignant. He says, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet what? Forfeit their soul. You had some great vacations, man. You made some good money. You had a beautiful piece of property. Your house was immaculate. And it's all gone. None of that's any good if you forfeit your soul. None of that really matters. Only the stuff that goes on will really matter. And this is a huge part, I believe, of the confusion that comes from living in this world. This is what we're talking about in this series, Stranger Things. It's it's like the world appears to be right side up, but so much of it is upside down and wrong. And basically the world tells us, actually beckons us to focus our lives in on both things, things, you know, stuff that we can get, And busyness. Busy, busy, busy. We're always doing, we're always running, we're always going everywhere. And so many of those things, in the end, don't matter. They're surface stuff. Of course, I would actually say, you may disagree with this, but I actually think there's a war that's been raging over this this one area. I think we live in a war zone. I think it's a war of distraction. And I think this is how the enemy thinks. If I can get you distracted by all that little stuff in your life that doesn't last, that doesn't matter, that doesn't go on, then you will miss what counts. And you will think you're succeeding because you're making more money than you ever made. 
and you got a nicer place and you got all this stuff. But what good does it do you to gain the world and yet forfeit your what? Your soul. Focused on stuff that doesn't count. You miss the things that matter. And that's exactly how the enemy works. It's a war of distraction. I get caught up in things that won't last, that won't matter. You won't even remember the car that you have breakdown this year in 20 years. Either because of old age and you can't remember anything. <laughs> but it won't matter to you. Come on, is that true? You can't remember breakdowns you had five years ago, ten years ago. You don't think about them. But at the time, we get so worked up and lose sight of what really matters. And we lose sight of the things like our spiritual life and loving people and serving people in need, listening to people around us. We get caught up in all those busy activities and we lose sight, all all kinds of other activities, and we lose sight of what really matters. This is what I hope. I, I mean, I just want to get you thinking about this. Are you going deep in your life? Or are you just going fast? I know some of you listening to this, you're retired, and you're like, I'm, I'm not going as fast as I used to. This is an interesting thing to me. You can be the slowest you've ever been in your life physically and still be mentally and emotionally churned up and anxious. Come on, is that true? Worried about things that won't last, that don't matter And lose sight of what really counts. And my challenge to you is go deep. Because busy isn't success. In fact, I love how Socrates put it. Many of you are familiar with this quote. He just said, beware the barrenness of a busy life. you got all kinds of things going. You're doing all kinds of things. But are they the things that matter? Are they the things that count in life? And you know this stuff. I'm not saying anything. I'm not talking about anything that, that all of us listening to this at all of our campuses really, you, you know this stuff. You know it. But I think sometimes we need to be reminded because we live in a world that's upside down and it's constantly telling us, you want to succeed? You need more stuff. You need more electronic stuff. You need more, you need more vacations. You need to go on a cruise. If you want to be happy, if you want to have... what, And it's always telling us this stuff and we don't realize that it infects us. And then we lose sight of the things that really count, the things that matter. We're busy. We're, we're chaotic internally, sometimes externally. And we got all this stuff going. And we lose sight of the fact that what God really calls us to is to not go faster, it's go deeper. And for that to happen, you have to have margin in your life. You have to be intentional. You have to focus on things that matter, like your kids. You have to be thoughtful about how you're speaking, what you're doing with your life, because you won't get back whatever's done. So are you going faster or are you going deeper? Living in overdrive, I mean, and this is just a fact, it seldom makes room for the stuff that matters. When you're in overdrive, you're just going, 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 and you're missing almost always the stuff 
that matter. Scripture's clear on this. This is actually this week's memory verse, which I think is so powerful, and I challenge you to focus on this one through this coming week. This is found in Isaiah 30, verse 15. In repentance and rest is your, say it out loud, your salvation. In repentance and what? Rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. You want salvation? You want strength? Repentance and rest and quietness and trust. It's interesting. It's not overdrive. It's actually making the determination, I will step back and make sure I'm going in the direction that God calls me to. So what I want to do is I want to just give you, over the next few minutes, I want to, I want to just give you some thoughts on this. And you can do with it what you want to. And I know some of you are going, my life is not that chaotic. And again, I want, I want to be clear. I'm not saying you're going 90 miles an hour physically. I'm talking about what happens to us on the inside. We're irritated, we're anxious because our focus is on the wrong thing. We're in overdrive at the very least emotionally. So if you want to live a life that's not crazy, first thought, we have to learn to look for the unseen. This is what I've discovered about myself, and uh, you may not be like this, but I find that when I'm in overdrive, emotionally, physically, mentally, I tend to skim the surface and miss the layers in life. And I think you know this, but life is layered. You know what I'm talking about? It's like there's stuff going on here, there's stuff going on here, there's stuff going on there. And often, when you're just jetting through your days and you're internally churned up, you are missing the different layers in life. And this is what I've learned. Generally, the stuff that's least important is on the surface, and the most important stuff goes deeper and deeper. And unless you're willing to look for that, you will entirely miss it. So anybody that's listening to me as a parent in Delton and Middleville, you, 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 parents know this. When your kids get old enough to be school age, they go to school, and they come home, and you say to them, what did you do today? And they say, Nothing. It's like, nothing? That's what my tax dollars are buying? Nothing? You did nothing? And you know they did something, but when you say, well, come on, just tell me something. What did you do today? Nothing. Well, was it a good day? It was fine. Well, what happened? Nothing. Okay, come on. Parents, is that true? It's like, you're going to have to go to school a long time because you're dumb, all right? There's more than nothing that happened. You're not getting this. It's more than nothing. But you can't get anything out of them. This is what I learned, and I learned this years and years ago, that the only way to go deep with them, to really know what was going on in them, was to be with them, which was hard for me because I always wanted to go to the next thing and do the next thing, and I had this agenda, and I had all these things I wanted to do. But I remember, this happened to me multiple times, I'd be with a kid who told me earlier nothing had happened at school, nothing's going on, they just wouldn't talk to me, and then we're outside jumping on the trampoline in the backyard until we exhaust ourselves, and we flop down on the trampoline, and we look up, and we're looking at the clouds and going, that one looks like an elephant, that one looks like a shark, that one. And then the kid just rolls his or her head over and looks at me and goes, you know, at school today, this terrible thing happened. And then they open up, and they share their heart with me, 
And I cannot tell you how many times I've had that happen where I'm in that place where I go, suddenly I'm on holy ground and I'm getting something that's layered way deeper than the surface. And I would have missed it if I had not said, I will spend time with this child. And this is true with children. This is true with people. You look underneath, and as I said, when I go into overdrive, I find that I often don't do this. Scripture, this is a mandate of Scripture, I'll tell you. This is 2 Corinthians 4.18. It says, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen. We don't look at what is seen. That's surface level stuff. But on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. We look for the stuff that is in layers below. And we have to pull back on the reins. We have to kind of let off on the gas and say, okay, I don't want to miss the stuff that matters in my kids, in my mate, in the people around me. I want to live a life that matters. And I can't do that if I'm not looking for the stuff that's unseen. It's not obvious. I mean, this is huge in my life. I've experienced this where I've had times where I'm just, you know, down or upset or, or unsettled about something and, and I'm around people and, and nobody knows and I'm pretty good at, you know, not letting this stuff be seen and maybe I should be more honest about it, but I think most of you understand what I'm saying. You don't feel like just blurting out to people, oh, I'm kind of blue, you know, and they're like, well, sorry, you know, I mean, you just don't feel like doing that. But there are times then when I'm around a friend and they're not going on the surface and they look kind of underneath and they'll just say, What's going on with you? Come on, what, what's going on? And in that atmosphere, I'm more likely to open up and share. And it has meant so much to me that there are people who do that in my life. Can I just ask you, do you ever do that with anybody? Are you ever looking for the unseen enough that you, you stop and say, what's going on? And sometimes they go, nothing, I'm fine. And if you're perceptive enough, you go, no, you're full of baloney. Or however you want to say it. And, and then you say to them, there's more going on here. And often that's when they'll open up. You know, if you read the life of Jesus, it's always fascinating to me, but if you read the life of Jesus, he kind of appears to be ADHD, really. ADD, you know, just, uh, he's just like, he's just all over the map. Let, let, let's look at an illustration. This is from the life of Jesus. This is Matthew chapter 20. It says, as Jesus and his disciples were leaving Jericho. Okay, so they were leaving Jericho. They had an agenda. They had an itinerary. They were headed somewhere else. They were going somewhere. As they were leaving Jericho, a large crowd followed him. And two blind men were sitting by the roadside. And when they heard that Jesus was going by, they shouted, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. And the crowd that was around Jesus rebuked them and told them to be quiet. But they shouted all the louder. Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. Jesus stopped. And he called them. What, what do you want me to do for you, he said. And, and Lord, they said, we, we, we want our sight. And Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes. And immediately they received their sight and followed him. Now, the, this is just an interesting way to think of this verse. But I think the two most important words in this, Jesus stopped. He was headed somewhere. He had an agenda. He was going after something. But he was also looking at the layers. He was looking for the unseen. 
And so Jesus stopped. And if you read his life, he does that all the time. It's like he's headed somewhere, and then he's like, somebody says, hey, hey, hey. And he, he stops. Any of you feel like this? Sometimes when you're in the store and you see somebody you know, you head for another aisle. Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about? Because they're going to blab to no end, and you don't have time to do something that might have eternal value. And I wrestle with this all the time. I just challenge you. Are you like Jesus? Do you stop? What's going on here? You look, number one, for the unseen. Number two, and I'm not going to spend much time on this. You, you, you have to slow down. I, you, you, we've all heard talks on building margin in our lives, and we need to slow down, and we can't go too fast, and blah, 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 blah. You, you all know this stuff. But I think sometimes we have to be reminded of it. And I guess, really, in a way, that's what I'm doing, is just reminding you. This, this is... I already said this, when I'm over and drive, I, I miss layers. I, I've learned that when I'm in the fast lane, when I'm going and I'm running and I've got myself all churned up over something, when it's noisy, it's hard to hear what matters. When I'm going fast, it's hard to see the stuff that matters. The truth is, to go deep, you almost, have to, you almost always have to go a little slower. You have to kind of consciously choose, let off a little bit. And I'll just say this about going fast. Okay, so I'm 62 and I've learned a few things. And most of you will have learned this too. Going fast doesn't always get you there faster. Have you learned that? So you're on a road, you're driving. I don't know what it is with me, but when I'm in a car driving, I'm always trying to go as fast as possible without getting a ticket. Anybody like that? Uh, yeah, and I know everybody in Delton's like that, but, I, you know, it, it's like they're just fast, you know, they go fast. Um, I'll be on the road, and I'll be going fast, driving down the road, because I'm going to some place, and then I'll get behind somebody who's going below the speed limit. And my blood pressure rises, and I find myself feeling angry, and I'm pretty sure it must be a 120-year-old woman who should never have allowed to be at, have a license, period. And finally, you find a straightaway, and nobody's coming, and so you just shoot out around, and as you go past, you know, you see her, and there she is. She's, in, you know, she's elderly, and she's looking at you like, oh, well, you're going awful fast, you know. And you zip around her, and you're like, well, I beat you, you old bitty, you know, and you're moving on, and you've got things to, to do and places to go and everything. And then 10 miles down the road, you're at a stoplight, and you're tapping your fingers, and you're like, come on, come on, come on. And then you see this car slide up next to you. And you look over and it's the 120-year-old lady next to you. And she's like, uh-huh. Anybody ever had that happen to them? Going faster doesn't mean you get there quicker. It just doesn't work that way. Here's the deal. When you choose to slow down and get quiet, you have greater potential to do the kind of things that Jesus did to, to stop and see beneath the surface in your kids' lives, in your adult kids' lives. When you look for the unseen, when you slow down, and then this last thought, I, I just, I believe in this so much, when you live intentionally, here's, here's what I mean by this. I'm a huge advocate for having a schedule 
that you look at and review regularly. Some of you have a schedule. What it is is the calendar on the wall, and you write an occasional thing on it, and you never look at it. That's not a schedule. I'm talking about a schedule where you put in, you schedule your day. I believe in to-do lists. I'm such an advocate of to-do lists. I check the boxes off in my to-do list every day and save my to-do list. I could tell you what I was doing five years ago on any day. You tell me a day. I can go back and pull that to-do list up, and I just keep it because those things I think are important. But here's what's way more important than that. is that you are regularly going back to check who is it that I want to become? Who is it that I should be and how is it that I should live? And I think this is where many of us miss it. Many of us don't go back and with any kind of regularity just say, now this is who I want to be. This is what I want to become. Do you know I have a mission statement for my life? I have several statements that I read every single day. And do you know why I do that? Because I find living in an upside-down world makes it crazy hard to be what I feel like God's called me to be. And so I have to remind myself, this is who I am called to be. And this recenters me. And when I'm doing that, I make that connection with God. I'm talking to God. I'm listening. Do you do that? Do you go back on a regular basis and say, now who is it I want to be? And remind yourself and redetermine this is how I'm going to live my life, this is how I'm going to act, this is how I want to behave, that doesn't mean you're going to be perfect at it, but you don't lose sight of the stuff that really matters. And when I do that, as I said, I'm, I'm working to make that connection with God. Do you know why? Because nothing is more important than a connection with God. Amen, Christians? Nothing is more important than a connection with God. But this is fascinating to me because as Christians... We often lose sight of that connection with God. This why this church exists. Our, our full mission is helping people make a connection with God. Our mission statement is just simply connecting people with God. This is what we are all about because nothing matters more than that. Amen? Nothing matters more. This is why we're so strong on encouraging everyone in our church family to get into a life group because when you're connected with other believers, they remind you of who you want to be. They encourage and challenge you to be who you want to be. If you're not in a life group, I challenge you, whatever campus you're at, go out to the next step area. They have information about life groups. Get in a life group. It doesn't make you perfect, but it's a great reminder. keeps you connected with God. That's why we're so big on talking about serving. Why we think serving is such a critical thing. Why, why we're talking about we join with United Way and we do days of caring because serving is what God made us to do. And when we serve, we're, it's like we're in the place where we can sense his pleasure. Sign up. Go on the Detroit mission trip early October. All that stuff. You can find information on it at the next step area, wherever it is your campus. I, I pray so much that you would connect with God because I know nothing matters more than that. And even the stuff we talked about, it really doesn't work if you're not in a connection with God. It, it just, it's just doing stuff starts with a relationship with God. And at all our campuses, 
I'm going to pray in just a minute. I'm not going to invite you to lift hands or anything like that. I'm just going to pray. And if you've wandered away from God and you need to come back to him and you realize today I am so far from God, or maybe you never made the decision to follow Christ, just pray the prayer with me. And you can turn that around and come back into that connection, that relationship with Christ. And after you do that, then I challenge you, again, all our campuses, fill out a connection card. There's a place where you can check, I renewed my commitment to Christ. I made a decision to follow Christ. Check it off. We have buckets on the way out that you can just, you can drop it off in the bucket uh, when you do that. So I'm going to pray, and if that's you, just pray this prayer with me. So if you, if you need to do that, so God, I ask you right now, forgive me, I make a mess of my life. Just pray something along those lines. It's called repentance. Forgive me, God, I just, I can't do it on my own without you. And so I'm asking you now, just pray this prayer. I'm asking you to come in and take charge of my life. I give you my heart. Just pray that. Come in, take charge of my life. I give you my heart. I give you my soul. I give you my life. And be serious about it. Tell him, I'm going to follow you. I'll do my best. I need your help, but I'm going to follow you. I'm coming after you. And if you did that, now we pray for every person who prayed that prayer, that they would experience your presence and your joy and your peace, God, but also that determination to walk with you and live with you day after day in Jesus' name. And the rest of us say, for those who've made decisions, yay God, yay God, yay God, church, amen. Amen, amen. Uh, Those of you who made a decision for Christ, we'd love to have you get involved. We have a couple things that are important. We have a book that you can pick up in the next step area, or you can text as you can see for it. And we have these Explore God groups that meet regularly, and they meet at all campuses. Check it out. Go out to Next Steps, find out about it, and be a part of the Explore Explore God group. It's a really uh, cool thing. So at all our campuses, let's stand to our feet together, and I'm going to close this with prayer. May you go with an awareness of the presence of God. May you be filled with his peace and joy. May you live a life that matters and experience in your life by your own choice quiet as opposed to crazy, fulfilling as opposed to empty, and joy as opposed to sadness and sorrow. In Jesus' name, God bless you. Go in peace. All campuses, you're dismissed.